Hello, Corey. Treple. We've got Treple here. See? Nobody cares. Nice glasses. What are you trying to look like? An audio engineer? <laughs> audio sucks. It's your birthday. Birthday, stupid. Yeah, no wonder you're extinct. I'm going to run you over when I get back up here. Ah, ah, ah. Didn't say the magic word. Happy birthday. The preceding message was scripted by Max Goldberg. If you have any problems with it, blame him. If you loved it, credit me. I just have one last thing to say to you, Corey Streppel, and I mean it. Happy birthday. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. That's awesome. Hello and welcome to the 55-1 Podcast. I am Wes Berdine. I am joined, as always, by Corey Shreppel, Mark Fangmeyer, Rodrigo sanchez Chevria. Hello, everyone. We've got, uh, we've got it's a, it's a six-point edition of the podcast. And, uh, you know, far less sad. We took the sad train to uh, Sad Town. And um, now we're... Now we're on the happy train to... Um, we took that to, sad train and we turned it around. Yeah. We're back to the good old days of Adrian Heath taking shits on everybody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we're not really going to talk about the comments, but I will say Adrian Heath made comments about the uh, the uh, American the condescending comment, comments about Americans' obsessions with uh, substitutions. And I was watching, uh, re-watching the parts of the Dallas game and right before the goal... so. Few minutes before the goal, um, Kendra St. Aubin is talking about how everyone looks gassed and there needs to be substitutions. And then also Dallas almost scored like about twenty seconds after she said that. Yeah, it was great. Um, she's just an American, so what does she know? It's a good point. Yeah, she, if, I mean, it's not like Cal said it because he would know. Yeah, he's got a funny accent. He's got a good accent, I should say. Um, all right, everyone, we've got a lot of game to talk about. Um, so let's, uh, let's kick off with the, just the quick round of the good, the bad, and the weird. Corey Shreffle, you can do the good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so this is really nice. Um, I mean, for me, uh, Liverpool played West Bromwich Albion, uh, uh, Big Sam, who have already been relegated. Uh, they were sucking pretty hard. Uh, it was 1-1 going toward a draw, um, 94th minute, uh, <clears throat> Liverpool gets a corner kick. Alison Becker comes out of goal, um, just kind of struts up into the box. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold sends in a cross. Uh, Allison puts in an amazing technical header and uh, hits it across goal and into the far corner, and uh, Liverpool win 2-1, keeping their Champion League's hopes alive. That's not the real story. The real story is that it's the first goalkeeper in EPL history to score a header off of a cross like that. Um, and it was just nice. It was nice to see. Um, Allison Becker has had some some rough times in the last month or two, and um, father passed away, and it was, a, it was a nice moment for him, and it was good for the team. So I thought that was a good. You would. Yeah, and I, I, um, I took a... <laughs> Because uh, I left the bar because I had to, to go home to actually see my family. Um, I knew that David Zeller was there. Uh, and I uh, get, looked at the security camera and just 
posted on Twitter uh, the the image of him uh, running around the bar celebrating. Oh, he was all alone at that point. So, look, look, but you know. great for Allison, but he's no Rene Gita. Let, let's go to the bad, which is um, just tracking all the uh, amazingness that that came along with. Um, the Columbus Crew rebrand, which lasted um, two European super, super Leagues, and I believe it lasted one Scaramucci. Is that is that how we're officially? Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's what the uh, the total um, total length was. They uh, the team, uh, we, as we talked about, announced that rebrand um, that involved a snaggletooth C that looked like uh, the the Columbus uh, Community College Cougars, and um, and then. You know, the fans got mad and they saved uh, that the, the 96 and crew was still in the name, but it still is a stupid logo. So feels like feels like they're still lost. So I don't know. Uh, they they seem to be happy about it. So what what's matters most is the Columbus fans. But um, yeah, it's 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 really stupid looking. So there's it's so fine. much drama with this whole thing is like. Like the fact that uh, some of the what is what is the uh, the board of directors for the supporters group called the uh, the the Nordeki or something like yeah. that? Yeah, some of their board members were like had to sign NDAs because they were consulted. So you're like you can't talk about what the changes are going to be. Or the fact that they know is like yeah, like I mean that, that that just doesn't make sense. I don't think. Yeah, I think it's very common that they would be forced to sign NDAs, but. What's even better is that they they wrote up a report that kind of evaluated here's how people are going to respond to this, and they were absolutely right that everyone is going to think this is terrible and it's going to be a disaster. And what's weird is that uh, no one listened to them because most of these teams out there actually hate their fans. Um, someone give me this. Like? Someone give me this hilarious out here though. Tell me or tell me what the the weird is this week. So it's I I. Got rid of the weird and just put hilarious because um, following uh, a week ago now on Monday when Columbus did their whole rebrand thing and did the announcement and everything, there was so much negative pushback to it that <laughs> they went through on their YouTube account and they went and they uh, categorized every single post of theirs as kids content so no one could comment on it. <laughs> So basically, it's all just only show. It's showing up in like the kids' YouTube app and all kinds of fun stuff. And um, yeah, that's what you got to do when you have to avoid the fans who hate what you do. I mean, there are easier ways to do this, guys. <laughs> One is to just <laughs> actually care about what your customers or the people who have supported you uh, think. But you know, who am I? I'm just a just a frozen yeah. caveman lawyer. Maybe, maybe just read the 16 page, you know, report that they put together that says how terrible it is. Yeah. One would think. All right. Well, uh, let's, uh, let's then take our first break and, um, let's, uh, let's come back and, and we'll do, um, we'll do some Minnesota United stuff. It's the 55.1 podcast, and uh, we've got a little bit of Minnesota United news. Um, not a ton coming out, but the, it was salary week. Uh, so um, MLS Players Association dropped the uh, 
salary news on us. And so we get to look at what everyone makes and, uh, and think about how um, they're underpaid or extremely overpaid in the case of Francisco Calvo, um, big friend of the podcast. Um, but what stood out to you guys about Minnesota United's uh, salary? Any, any outliers or interesting nuggets? Um, I mean, I'll, I'll let everyone else um, kind of talk about um, current players. I think the the one that um, was interesting to me was um, it just re- just to get it out of the way. It's just revolving around Ike and his salary and what kind of hit that is. Something has to happen with that situation, and I don't think it can at this point this season. If I'm not mistaken, uh, they they can't buy him out right now. So I think it's like, that's it. We're in for it. And that may limit what we can do later on in the summer in terms of our, our salary. But um, that was the thing, just reinforcing that, okay, he's got a $600,000 salary hit. Um, And that was like, nothing else was really surprising to me, but that was the one where it was just a reminder of, oh yeah, we have Ike not playing and, making 600k mine was just that uh michael boxel really deserves a bonus like he's been our most consistent defender for the last what two seasons now and he's still making 300 grand less than baki debasi which he's a great player and all but still like michael boxel deserves a raise or a bump or you know some free nachos something because man, he's kind of held it down for us. Look, if Michael is... Boxall walks into Black Harp St. Paul and gets some free cheese curds, I will tell you that much. Would you make him nachos? Like, with no, all of your anti nachos? Nacho. If you said, hey, stupid. hey, can I have some nachos? Would you be like, no, you're stupid. You don't want, you don't get nachos. Or would you actually just make them for him? I'd say, I'd say, no. How about some chicken tendies, bud? I'm, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> like, come on, man. No, nachos are trash. It's fine. Yeah. I agree. It's because I care about him. Be, I, I want care to care about I, nachos. I, no, I care about Michael Boxall. I don't. I wouldn't give oh, a man okay. like Michael Boxall some nachos. Um, what if he, nachos what if he wanted wants. nachos though? I mean, no, yeah, I would. Just, I, no, but he, I know he better. Be like for chicken tendies. So he needs some chicken tendies in him. But what if he wants some fries and then he wants some nacho cheese on them? I would tell him no because I'm I, I'm looking out for him. I, I'm I care more about him than he cares about himself. Is what You're I'm gonna saying. You're gonna tell him no. Yeah, how tall is how tall is Boxy? He's not taller than me. Eight feet. He's like eight feet. He's not taller than me. Yeah, yeah. No. He's, he's he's not so tall anyway. No, and uh, he's not as good looking as me. So I could. Oh, I could, okay. Oh, We're leaving that one alone. Far. So, Shots fired. Um, yeah, I, I guess uh, it, it was surprising to me that Juan Aguidalo is only making. Um, $200,000, which kind of, uh, I was worried, like, why Why are we, I thought the last time he he was on a contract, he was making like $500,000. And so I was kind of curious why we would bring him in just to not even play him. $200,000, you can, you can not play a guy like that. Um, any, any other observations on this before? We, yeah. Um, I like the fact that Fred Emmings is making like what? Guarantee compensation seventy two k as a teenager. Yeah, man. Like walking the halls of Central High School, buying slushies for everyone. Yeah, that dude's buying sure all the rides at Valley Fair this That's summer. Right. Well, now that it's opening, yeah. I mean, yeah. Valley Fair is opening. I mean, he's, he's. That's gonna be one of those things. Also, you know, one of the things that I love to see is the fact that um, 
um, our, uh, our, our esteemed Uruguayo Tomas uh, Ecoan is making 420k just to sit at home and play in the league and just to sit. I mean, you know, he's 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 won it all. I I want to I want to th- think about like like rich like rich Richie Rich Fred Emmings. Like, what does mm-hmm. that meme look like? Like, what absurd thing does he do with all of his money? Like, requests that all of his paychecks are paid in two dollar bills. Actually, it was pretty interesting too. Like how compared to other teams, how low we are in our spending right now. Like I mean, we're not even. Where do we rank? Uh, I mean, we're what one, two, middle, bottom, four, right? Five, yeah, yeah, six, bottom seven, third. Eight. We're ninth from the bottom, which I mean, granted, that doesn't include. Uh, I assume when we bring in our new DP from Hunu, he's going to increase that, which is not included yet, and so is Fragapani. So if he ever arrives, uh, so I assume that'll go up, but. Still, like, I thought we would be higher, like, with all the, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, um, speaking of Fragapane, um, we're going to do the watches now, um, but I also went to Trung Nam French Vietnamese Bakery this weekend and got some Fragapane um, croissants, and they were very good. So that is um, just telling us how good Fragapane is going to be. So what, what's the ne- deal with Frank Payne and uh, Adrian Unu? Um, a whole lot of, well, um, Unu is on his way to, he's actually, uh, we're recording, it's 9.38 right now, PM on Mon- on Tuesday. Is he off the plane? And he supposedly is arriving at 11 PM, around 11 PM ish tonight in, in Minnesota. Let's He'll do a here. spaces. Let's do, um, uh, a spaces from MSP international airport. I mean, we really should, um, be like, hello. And he's like, hi, I'm tired. But uh, but no, he should be here, which means um, especially with the um two weeks kind of uh, not two weeks off, but like the um, the week off coming up this weekend, so two weeks total. Um, he should be training with the clubs after. I mean, he has to wait five days, so that puts him at like what Monday ish. He can join the club and start training and getting ready for Real Salt Lake. So he should be ready to go for Real Salt Lake. So that's that'll be good. I wonder what the what the um politics of getting him vaxxed is. Can rando French people get come to the U.S. and get vaxxed? I mean, we got a surplus now. I mean, and a bunch of other teams have been doing it, right? Oh. Okay. You know, like uh, like Houston did it for their entire team. Uh, I want to say Philly did. A couple other teams have done it where they've just mass vaxxed their team. Like I would, but I would hope that they would stagger it. Yeah, if it's going to be around, yeah, you game don't want. Day. Yeah, you don't want the 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 after effects of the second shot. Um, but also. It's also been a month between when they announced him uh, that he was, sign- he was signing with us to now. So you would think that in the last month they could have. I, I mean, I actually don't know what the vaccine situation is like in France. Like, so he's, I'm sure he's fine. Um. Yeah. So what? What about um, uh, Frank Payne? Oh, that's that's a little more interesting. Um, because was it last Friday? I think uh, Adrian Heath said that um, he expected uh, both uh, Unu and Frank Payne to be arriving early this week. Um, Unu is arriving early this week, but um, Frank Payne, um, he started for Tayaris uh, tonight, uh, played for 74 minutes, got a yellow card, um, and he played last weekend. It was actually the man of the match last weekend. 
uh, had a goal. Um, and so I really don't see him uh, being here in the next day or two uh, if he played yesterday or played tonight. So yeah, that seems like that's not going to happen. And who knows? I mean, ideally he'll be here, you know, sometime before June 1st so that he can make that in time for the transfer deadline. Yep. And then he can start playing in June for us. All right. So with that, uh, with that down, let us go to, we've got two games, both of them one nil wins. Uh, congratulations loons for getting off the bottom and getting the monkey off your back. Um, let's, let me just ask, um, what did the Vancouver team look like? The, the lineup, um, someone, someone run me through what was interesting about that. And then what was, uh, what was different about this? What, how did this one end up being a, a win? Um, I'll go through, uh, Vancouver. I mean, it, it wasn't anything unexpected. Um, I mean, it was kind of their Mark Dos Santos's, uh, four, four, two configuration. Um, you know, you had Cavallini up top, um, with, uh, Dijon. I'm going to assume I'm pronouncing that correctly. All I um, know is the dude freaking missed a sitter and I, I was 10 feet away from him and pointed at him for a solid minute going, Ah, 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 ah. And I was really hoping that he would score a goal and then uh, taunt me. I was uh, yeah. just really, yeah. and he didn't, yeah. he you, didn't you, score. you wanted to be, you wanted to be taunted. I thought it would uh, be great. Good, good payback. Yeah. Too. I mean, they, they, they had their four, four, two, they were kind of playing their, their, their block situation. And um, I mean, it was, it was fine. It was, like uneventful for me, um, but but our lineup was the is is I guess my question. Our lineup yeah, was. Yeah, I mean, bizarre. so our lineup. So uh, sorry, I thought I said you meant. But uh, so we had Tyler Miller and Gold. This was the big change. This is the big controversial thing that is lighting up all the Twitter feeds and Slack channels, and everybody's fighting over it. Um, Backline, nothing really changed. You had Metnair, you had Boxtel, uh, Raitala, and Gasper. Center of the park, we were doing our 4-3-3. So we had Ozzy sitting back in front of the center backs, and then we had Trap and Gregoosh, and then we had Reynoso on the left, Lud as the false nine, and Hassani Dotson on the right. Um, I mean, it the- kind of worked in the previous match. I thought that it worked um, for this match. I think that you were saying a lot of interesting combinations, especially with Hassani on the right. He looked a little bit more comfortable there. Um there was more interplay. There was more uh, bringing it up from the center backs, playing out of the back with Ozzy, getting it central, spraying it out wide, come bringing it back in. A lot of stuff that we talk about on this show. And I thought that was working like everything else early in the season. Our apparent lack of fitness for a high press system, um, we started to wear down a little bit. And we were just not we looked defensively sound. We looked like we had relative control in the center of the park, but we couldn't finish again. It's the story of the season for us. And, um, and I don't know if we want to get into it now, but basically we eventually shift formations and uh, that's how we get our goal. But we can talk about that as we walk through the match. So yeah. What for, for Marco Rodrigo? Yeah. Tell me what was, what was different about this? Where, where did we go right where the other games have gone really bad um i mean our the 
the errors that were made by the individual players were not bad enough to result in a goal being scored on us. That was basically the difference in the first 30 minutes when we played Vancouver versus when we played every other match is that we weren't, uh, we, we, there weren't consequences for our mistakes. Like that back pass that you talked about, how he, there was a sitter for Vancouver from Chase. Like where Chase again just did a back pass towards he like, just half asses it and like it go it falls somewhere between him, halfway between him and our keeper. And all, all of a sudden the opposing team just picks it off and does it. And like thankfully Vancouver could do nothing with their opportunities. Like that was the beauty, is that Vancouver is very, very bad at scoring in the run of play. They still have not done so this entire season. Like even right. matches after playing us yeah. uh this weekend, they still haven't scored in the run of play. They're yeah. they've only scored on PKs and on set pieces. And um yeah, like that was the difference. And then they also like eventually Minnesota changed formations and put Dotson out on the left and Grey Goose out as like a right winger. And that seemed to open things up a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the first, like for me, like Chase settled down more, but like like I counted, like because me and Mark were sitting together at the stadium, like we counted like five bad passes. And uh, the one that, led to a a goal opportunity, you know, was probably the most the the most horrible one that he had. But overall, like uh if you look at uh the number seven for Vancouver, was it uh Caicedo? Like like he was right in front of us, Mark. And like every time Chase would take the ball up the left wing, like he would press him. And every time you press him, he like be like, "Come on, come on!" and clap his hands at him, like challenging, try to do anything else and anything else. And Reynoso was not as mobile. We weren't we having the greatest outlet. Like our defense was was decent, but we just couldn't we couldn't provide the the opportunities or the outlets or the holes for be able to feed people the ball. And I think as um, there were times where like Gregush would switch with the Hassani at times, and I think. The more Gregush was out on the wing, the the more uh, accurate passing and the more passing into the attacking third we were able to to get right. And I mean, one of the things too is like this has been like we need to do a statistic on like shots for Dotson. Like I don't know why he's not shooting when he can be pulling the trigger earlier like he was last year, just pulling it from anywhere. And he's just, he's gotten opportunities and he's got the mentality to try to make the extra pass and when he should be, in fact, shooting, right? Yeah, so I, I think um, regarding Hassani, uh, I think this, this has been the case for a lot of the guys who would take uh, shots from distance, which is that they just don't have the space. We're playing so narrow Everyone is narrow. You're playing with no actual wide players out there so that the only width you have is just these two fullbacks who are on islands. And so when you've got Hassani who's got the ball, there's, you know, for Vancouver, there's eight guys in front of him, basically. And I I don't, I see a lot of times in the Wonderwall, people are yelling like, take a shot. And I'm just thinking like, there's three guys in front of him. What is he supposed to do? And you do see shots going, and they're just hitting people. We've got a ton of blocked shots every game. Um, we're what we you know, we are one of the highest shot taking teams, but we're not scoring a lot. And I think that is part of it. We're not doing things to move them around. And I think a lot of that is we don't have a striker who is 
commanding a lot of attention and, and creating, um, creating width or just, or, or creating spaces by pulling the, the defense out of the way. I I'll, I'll say yes. And, and to, to kind of pivot to talking about how we did get a goal. Um, I can't remember who came off, but Abila came on and, uh, I don't have that sitting in front of me, but, um, when Ramon Abila came on, he started to get some of that interplay, some of that movement that you were talking about. Uh, he's still not fully match fit, but you could see some of that intensity and some of that uh, vision for the game. Like he'll take the game. He's playing with Chase, he's with Dotson. Obviously, he's got a, some level of chemistry with Reynoso. And you could see him turning around and energizing the team a little bit when he had a couple of shots on-ish target. Um, and you started to see that space open up a little bit, if not for somebody to take a shot, for at least somebody to create that interplay, um, like the ball and the interplay that led to the goal, um, which was a recycled ball that came back to Ozzy, kicked it out wide to Robin Lud. Robin Lud crossed it in. Ramon Abila splitting the two center backs, glancing header hits the far post and then, and then goes in. Um, I hope we see more of that. And I hope we get more dynamic movement from Unu when he comes in. And like you said, we don't have true dynamic wingers. Robin Lud provides us that when he's on the right, but we've had to play him as a false nine because we don't have a choice. I mean, we do, we're not doing it. Um, so I think when, if and when Frank comes in, and I love that we're just calling him Frank, hopefully that gives us that extra width to stretch things and that'll hopefully give Greg Goosh and Trap and Reynoso a little bit more space to play with and Dotson if he's going to play as an eight and he can rip those shots from 30 yards out. Um, we had, a, I, I think this game, we'll talk a bit about the luck in Dallas as well. I, I think we were extremely lucky to still be in a decent spot, as we mentioned. And so, you know, getting three points is good. Um, I think the the positives that I take away from this are, look, it's good to get uh, wins wherever you can get them. And I liked that Abila looks like he can play some sort of part. You know, the the first couple of games we were all like, oh, my God. Is this guy? Is are we are we going to never see him again? So that's pretty positive. Um, that that he looks like he can do that. If Adrian Unu can come on and he can be the the main striker, and then Abila comes in, and you know maybe Abila strikes. You know, we we switch on and off, but but um, at least uh, we're not depending on Abila being um, Jesus. Uh, that would be that would be helpful. Um, we did get uh, Abila. Also, the positive there was. Um, seeing his goal celebration, which was uh, honoring his brother who had um, um, taken his own life earlier in COVID, right? During, and and he talked about, um, Rodrigo, maybe you can say specifically what he said, because I, I only heard, because I don't speak Spanish, I only heard people's description. So what what did he, what kind of tribute did he give when he was asked about the, the t-shirt that he wore under his jersey? Bueno, lo, lo que dijo es que solamente... Realmente que su hermano era realmente importante para su familia y fue un momento. He pretty much was just saying that he um, that he wanted uh, to take the time to to celebrate him. That everyone still misses his brother and he was very loved and he was uh, you know he was 
he was taking this time to to not only to, to acknowledge that and, and to honor him. And I think one of the things that was 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 touching is the fact when like they were asking him questions and he was like, "Do you care? You know, like do you care about the yellow?" And I was like, no, "I don't care." It's like I was gonna do it regardless. So whatever happened, mm-hmm. I was gonna do it, and I did it, and that's it. And if you guys want to talk about the yellow, you can talk about the yellow. But he was really happy that um, that he was able to to be part uh, of the goal. Um, but he's also talking that this is probably the the best he's felt playing soccer in the aspect of like fitness. Like hmm. uh, when you have someone who's played mostly on grass. And then you play on turf. Your your body has to get used to when you're training in turf to, to to the different different ways that 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 feels on your body. Like for example, Issa watch, like she feels better for her knees on like turf than she does on grass, which is weird to me. But like it was that kind of it was that kind of thing um, for Abila saying that he's you know he he feels the best that he doesn't he's not in pain. And so the fact that in this game. In this Vancouver game, we actually saw him make runs and make dribbles, mm. and try to take one on one. That was that was you know more, um, more of what we wanted to see than the previous match where we just saw him just walking. So I mean mm-hmm. that was some of the things that I, I got from that presser. So let's talk about um, Tyler Miller. He played these two games. He had two clean sheets. Um, we're obviously all big um, Dane fans here. Uh, not at the expense of Tyler Miller, we just happen to have two really good goalkeepers and it's always very awkward where you have two children and you have to choose between the two, but in the end you have to choose one that you love and we all know which one I love. Um, but uh, uh, how did, how did uh, Tyler do? I'll, I'll, I, you know, I, again, I'm, and I'm prefacing this without saying that this is not like an indictment on, on Dane. Cause I, we, we all agree that he's a great shot stopper. <clears throat> he's one of the reasons that we got as far as we did in the postseason last year. Um, <clears throat> when you have a team that has structural issues, like chase a rotating left center back and individual errors that lead to goals, he's young. That confidence that's dropping in the team is going to affect him. And I think that's a big part of it. And a part of why I think Tyler helped steady the ship a little bit. Um, Dane was not as vocal. He isn't as vocal as Tyler. I think part of that comes from experience and confidence. Tyler, you could see him marshalling the back line a lot more, especially on set pieces. Um, And you could hear that on some of the broadcasts. Um, You could see him directing Chase a little bit more, making sure that his center backs were positioned exactly where he needed them to be, not where they necessarily thought that they should be. Obviously, when they're pressing, they have to make their own calls. But... um, He's keeping Roman and and uh, and Chase back further when he needs them to be. He's making those those calls. Not something that we saw Dane do as confidently, um, and I think that is helpful because it's also not Michael Boxel's strong suit either to direct the back line. He's not an Ico Para, um, so I think a combination of all of those little things. Again, nothing that's that's super mission critical. But when you combine them on top of the the run that we were going on, Tyler came in. It's also some fresh blood. That's helpful too. And he's a great goalkeeper. And he stopped some amazing shots. And um, 
it was just nice to see him there. And two clean sheets, I don't think he's given up a spot anytime soon. And I wouldn't hate... The only reason I don't like the decision to pull Dane out is knowing who our head coach is. Because, uh, I mean, Tyler, I, there's no question that Tyler is the great goalkeeper. He was brought in to replace the MLS goalkeeper of the year. Like, if he, if he, he doesn't suck. Like, he's a good goalkeeper. And it's a nice problem to have. The part that I dislike is that um, knowing how Adrian Heath is as far as playing kids, as far as his having a plan to rotate anybody outside of injury or some other circumstances that dictates his hand. Like it never seems to have a plan, which is why I don't once uh, Dan St. Clair comes out, which he was Dan St. Clair has had an amazing year in the like last year. He's been amazing. This, the one skipped ball in Colorado that he coughed up was like his first real mistake of the, his entire like, time playing yeah. with the senior team and to pull a kid. And the main issue I have is that um, if you compare ceilings, like basically Tyler Miller is at his ceiling. He's not going to get any better. He's a great goalkeeper. He's not going to get any better than where he is right He's now. He's a B-level goalkeeper. And we think that uh, Dane could be an A-level goalkeeper. Um, yeah. But sometimes Dane is a C-plus or a B-minus. Um, sometimes yeah. Tyler's right. But um but Dane is, right. is more erratic as a younger goalkeeper. And and it's something and something to counter that. And again, I think we're we're all in agreement that we love Dane. And and it's a bummer that this set of circumstances will lead to a potential stunting of his development as a goalkeeper. I think that's the that's the big issue here. A potential, if but Debasi, it could be good, right? I mean Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And but but I think like you know, it's all it's a game of what ifs, but it's like if Debassi was in his center back, if Ritala could have moved out to the left back or Chase was there, I do think that because those were his two center backs. It was it was Boxel and Debassi for a lot of the back half of the season. That would have been his comfort level. If we had Eichen that had a little bit more experience, I think the situation would be different. But to to counter the argument of, well, let's he needs to be in to develop. I was like, Yeah, but we also need to not lose games and something has to change. And getting a little bit more experience in that back line that is rotating, I think is helpful. And so it's like, I don't disagree with Heath putting in Tyler Miller, but I do know in the back of my mind that it could be a step backward for Dane in the long run, but jury's still out. I mean, I think we'll find out in June what happens. Like come June when like we come back from the break, because, I mean, there's obviously, I, I mean, I don't think anyone thinks that anyone besides Tyler Miller is going to be starting in Real Salt Lake for the last match in May. And then we have the three-week break. So whoever comes back and starts playing in June, that'll be a thing because, like, there's five matches before Dane leaves for Gold Cup and he's gone for another month. So that'll really be, like, does Heath have a plan to play both goalkeepers or is he just going to keep playing whoever? And if there is no plan, then all of a sudden we go from having Dane going from the middle of May till the end of July, not playing a match for our team. So we'll see what happens and how Adrian Heath rotates the squad coming up later this summer. All right. On that, let's take a little break so that we can uh, break up the match talk and we'll come back and talk Dallas.
parts of 551 podcast. Let's do the last little segment here. On the uh, FC Dallas game, 1-0, we, uh, we had Tyler Miller back in goal. Um, this time we had a two-man midfield, uh, and it included uh, Ethan Finley back starting. So um, we had no, um, we didn't have the kind of Gregush Ozzy trap uh, midfield that I, we didn't talk about much in the last one, but I, I still don't know exactly how it works. But in this game, I will start by just saying, Will Trap did what we asked. Um, he listens to this podcast religiously, and uh, and he sat back distinctly in the the Aussie role, right where where the center backs move out, and sometimes he'll drop in there to pick up the ball, move it forward, and um, his stats bear it out. He he had I think seven interceptions this game. Um, it was lots of long passes. He did a lot of what Aussie did, and. We wanted Wilch. He's not Ozzy, but he can do Ozzy-ish things. And uh, and I thought that that was my favorite part of this game, watching Will Trap do that. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, one thing that I've really liked Will Trap in the last two matches is that he's really filled in well in role kind of, in just playing the roles that we need him to play. So like uh, in Vancouver, he was always the guy in like the um the three man midfield. Uh Gregus kind of went up. Ozzy just sat centrally, kind of playing like the typical number six position. And Trap was the guy who anytime one of our fullbacks went forward, he dropped back and covered for them on each sideline. And then uh in Dallas, like you said, he was just playing the role as the number six and just sat deep, did everything needed, like and again, like like you said, he's not the like enforcer, just like take you kind of out like Ozzy is, but he's a clean tackler and he can intercept the ball very well. And he just kind of showed what he does well, and he did it very very well against Dallas. The the thing that was different between him and Ozzy is Ozzy is very good at taking the ball, keeping the ball, disorienting the players that are right around him in the midfield, and doing a lot of short passes and back and forth. Trap was putting some of those longer passes or kind of stretching the, the the midfield a bit, but it was the similar role and it served the same function. It was additional protection in front of our back line and it showed. Who else stood out to you guys in this match that, uh, you know, um, we talk, talk about trap. He, that is a role that we've wanted to see um, done effectively in, in, in a problem uh, area for us. Uh, who stood out good or bad in this game? Uh, for me, uh, two of the, aside from Trap, like uh, both Metnair and uh, Lude were fantastic. Uh, Metnair, like the amount that this team asked him to do and that he just comes through and does every match, like he, his defense was great. He was covering, but also like he was getting down and like just taking some really good shots when they were opening up for him. And I thought uh, Metnair was great. And then um, Robin Lude, like, he was doing a very good job of just dribbling at the defense and taking them on and forcing the issue. And, um, and then, yeah, it, I was very happy with both of them. Yeah, I, I think for me, um, and because we know that Ray's playing not a, not a full strength, the, the fact that he was, he, he likes to take it upon himself to be able to create. And I think in this game, where we were more as a dominant force than all the other games we've played, I think it was just 
he was everywhere and he was getting opportunities and he was creating and he was he just seemed really hungry and like if you look at his you know he was just everywhere right like in that midfield and on the wings i mean he's been doing great um interceptions and recoveries putting yep. a lot of good mm-hmm. pressure um I think one of the problems for him in that role is that um, there has been no really good coordination with it. Um, I think because you, you just have this front line that is like, I don't know, fuck it, put that guy over there, do that. Um, if, you know, even Hassani, who I think has been very good in every game, basically, um, Hassani is like moving around the pitch and, and it it feels like there's a fluidity there, but there's no... Um, uh, comfortability, right? Um, you know, J- Corey, um, I usually cut out your jazz references in this podcast. Um, but the whole point of jazz and, and freeform jazz or anything like that is you set a base, uh, uh, whether that is, you know, whether that's percussive or the bass or something else. And then above that, uh, beyond that, everyone can move. But if you don't have a base of comfortability, then, you know, then it's just chaos, right? So that that's a problem where, like, you can't, uh, if you're all moving around and, you know, Hassani's been used on the left, on the right, in the middle, um, then you, you don't have a set way of kind of doing that pressure. And I, I think that that's where, when, we're, when we can get this eventually right, which will take our new players getting set to this system, it, it could work, but... I don't know when that is. It's going to take a lot of, uh, you know, drilling these guys to, to work together. Do you want to make any uh, jazz comments, Corey? No, I just think that when it comes to jazz, uh, your life is actually the bass and the music, all the, all the dancing and chaos on top is just your experience manifesting itself. Do you want me to delete this? Your, your instrument. What's that? You want me to delete your comments? Yeah, please do. <laughs> you can you can do whatever I want. Uh, you can do Corey, do you, have you a, want. do you have a favorite jazz record? Um, Chipmunks play jazz. Yeah, it's ensemble. actually it's actually not a bop record. It's um, just one that I stumbled on in college. It was Terrence Blanchard's Bounce. So it's a more modern jazz record. He's a fantastic trumpet player. Sounds a little slick. Um, it's definitely roomy. Um, Lots of cool stuff on on that record, like odd time stuff, and then gets a little atonal and and out in some spots. But it's um it's a beautiful record. I was just reading. Um, we're recording late on a Tuesday. I I had to do bedtime tonight. We were reading Magic Treehouse. Do you guys know the Jack and Annie books? Um, Corey, you don't. Don't pretend you don't have kids. And, uh, and yeah. <laughs> what number? What number? Uh, were you this reading? was fourteen. We skip around a lot, but this was fourteen. This was the Louis Armstrong uh, book. So we we did the first half. Oh, okay. And so I I played some Louis Armstrong because Iris really wanted to hear it going down. And uh, I'm big big fan. I mean, I I like much more modern jazz as well. But like, it's amazing when you go back and listen to a Louis Armstrong and go like, God damn, this yeah. is good. Anyway, uh, back to the the um. You know, speaking of the Duke Ellington of uh, of soccer, as we call Adrian Heath, um, <laughs> he's more he's more, he's more like he's Kenny more like G. a bit like a Buddy Rich like he's a, he's a Hal. Who's the guy who who did the um um oh shit the the like lame nineteen seventies um. Damn it! No, hold on. I'm gonna. 
We're going to get this jazz joke. Uh, how? You're not talking about Coltrane, are you? No, 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 no. no. This is a no. lame white guy. Um, how Leonard? What year? Parker? How, I mean, how, how Leonard was the... Was no. the Al, maybe? Al, um, what? Oh, my God. You would know exactly what I'm talking It's all the game show stuff. Oh. You know what? Um, Who's oh. that guy? Stan Getz? No. No, it was... It wasn't Chet Baker. <laughs> yeah, but... Dun, 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 or Melbourne. Yeah. Hang on. What what the hell was I saying when when I did this? All right, Herb. That's Herb the, uh, Albert. That's the Herb Herb, Herb, Herb Albert. Herb Albert. Herb, Herb Albert. Yeah. Okay. Just I don't, don't think that's don't him. Say, but... Don't say herpes Albert, right? I mean, don't want to do that. Although he did play, he was an American trumpeter. Yeah, he did like the yeah, yeah Tijuana he, Brass. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Herb Albert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hold on. It's him and he makes the little, 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 um, um, yeah, he's got a lot of songs that people have sampled. No, the, the, um, Adrian Heath is basically the Herb Albert, Alpert, sorry, Herb Alpert of, uh, of jazz, of, of soccer. Yeah. So that, yeah. so the, the mm-hmm. guy who's like the, oh, hold on. And we'd like to close with a tune. Because we can't hear the, yeah, yeah, the noise canceling sounds. So we just like uh, we, we just got we just got West. You couldn't hear it. Crazy Muppet. No, because like, like, Zoom cuts out the copyright stuff, so you can't. No, hear no, no, no. If you have the noise canceling on on Zoom, all the music gets canceled out because it assumes that it's noise. It, oh. it tailors it so you have to turn on. Anyway, to, it'll be anyway. on the podcast. Everyone else heard it. <laughs> um, <laughs> So you guys just saw me dancing to nothing. I know, nothing. That's the great thing. It was like it was like the Muppet, like the Muppet special where they were like going, ah! Yeah, yeah. So uh anyway, that that was the sound of uh Adrian Heath uh whispering to the strikers. What the hell were we even talking about? Because I I will have gone back and edited out the three minutes it took me to remember Herb Alpert's name. Um uh, we were we were yes. talking about Adrian Heath. We were talking about we were talking uh, about this game. Who else stood out to this game? Like, why did we win this game? Were Dallas bad? Were we good? Were you know we talked about think, Roman Metnier and Robin Lud? Both. I, I think what was it, Mark? What did we agree? I think we had two different numbers, ten or nine. But Dallas had ten or eleven offside calls. But and it's and it was the same story with Lucci. Had who? By the way, Lucci was wearing a tracksuit. He was not wearing like I know. I mean, he's I, still I looked great, but I um, mean, here's the thing: if you don't dress to impress, you're not going to win. No. Yeah. I invited so, him to. Uh, I invited their social media team to uh, to bring him in. I told him that he could do a DJ set at the bar. He did not show up. The coward. It would just. He would just play like Tony Braxton the whole time. But. Um, oh no! He would know that this dude knows some. He knows some jams. He would. He would I get would, in with some like. Uh, he'd be playing the orb. Him and him he and Bruce would, McGuire would, would be going, being like knee deep in like fifteen minute trance. He would he would ship up his own vinyl collection because he knows the feel of those records. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, um, oh, no, no, he doesn't ship. He travels with it. 
it's, it's in the team like gear. Like he just has his vinyl collection okay. going with the team. The kit, the kit man is also. I, I just want to go digging. I just want to go digging with him. Let's just go digging. This is uh, go hump around and just go dig. Go to Chicago and go dig. I mean, we had twenty-seven shots versus six, right? And then we had uh, nine block shots, seven shots on goal. And we had like 30 million crosses. We had 23 crosses. There was a, one of the shots. Uh, th- actually, this was a Dallas shot because I think it was first half. Went right in. I brought my um, my two brothers. One was in town from uh, Texas. One in town from Pennsylvania. And my nephew in town from Texas. They were standing. We're giants. Um, uh, and the ball went right in between my brothers. And I think one of them wasn't. He wasn't like fully. He was watching the game, but wasn't fully tracking it. Went and hit his ear, and he like put his hand up and blocked it. So uh, there were lots of missed shots. That's all I wanted to tell is that story where he almost got Zellard in the face. I love that Zellard is a verb now. <laughs> Anyways, no. I here's the thing about the block the shots is that we desperately need more playmaking attacking options than just Reynoso because it's becoming way too predictable because I think that, what is it um Reynoso had what seven shots and 10 key passes which key passes are passes that lead to shots so 17 of our 27 shots which 27 is an already ridiculous amount were created by one guy like we need some more options on there so that all of the playmaking like responsibility doesn't fall on this one guy and once you do that that's when you can open up lanes open up creativity and have better scoring chances than just shooting from range or missing the goal and getting some better interplay and having some better scoring opportunities too. Cause like we might've had 27 shots, but they weren't very good scoring opportunities on most of them. So. So I mean, I just like the fact that Metanier is not as cross heavy as he's been at the beginning of the first two games. And he was actually like trying to dribble into, into the 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 box, but also like when he was crossing balls into the box, that were like lobs. They were like straight, like low crosses that if it hits someone, it's deflected out. But I think my favorite thing he did was he's like he 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 beat someone. He went line and then he squared the ball to uh, I think it was Lude and Lude shot and it was like a shot on goal. But I was like, yes. Do that more, right? Like, you can beat people one on one. Just dribble into the box, move the center backs, and, and and just keep on trying to do that instead of just trying to lob shots when you don't have someone that can really head the balls in. Who's going to walk us through the goal? Because it, it, we were going for a uh, just a nil nil um, game that that was um, really positive, but again, you, you you need to finish chances. I thought the first half was one of the better. Um, bits of of soccer from the team. Uh, second half was a little bit more frustrating, but I thought it was still productive. Uh, and then we get this goal in the seventy eighth minute of uh, stoppage time. Yeah, I mean, essentially, it was a uh, stoppage time corner kick. Uh, Reynoso takes it. It comes out to about you know the six yard box. Uh, Coleman goes up, puts it on frame. It was actually a very good header. Goes kind of towards the um towards the post inside the post. Um, Dallas had a defender, uh, post like on the post, blocked the shot, but wasn't able to clear it. And 
Lude was just kind of a poacher and just saw a loose ball and walk up and put it right in the goal. Yeah, it was it was very much a, a, a just a garbage goal, Johnny on the spot from Lude. But hey, man, that's kind of been Lude's thing, and uh, and at first and he's a I dinged scorer, him for right? it, but um, now now I'm I'm all about it. Yeah, um, I mean his 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 press interview afterwards when they like they were talking to him, like he was like. He's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm. Just, I was just. He like acknowledged. He's like, we. I should have scored other goals that other crosses. And he had other crosses where like, like he magically was able to take it off the air and like get on goal, but not directly to the keeper, right? I mean, like it wasn't on the trying to beat the keeper, but he's like, I should have done better. But he's like, but I got lucky, and and I was at the right place, and I just yep. hit it in because that's what you want to do. And so, so two lucky games, six points. Um. I think we have yet to really see a a a, a great game of, or even a, I would say even a good game from from Minnesota. I think this Dallas game was the um, the game where they won and they were distinctly better. I think than Dallas, but um, but uh, again, like you know, getting a garbage goal in the end is 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 a pretty lucky outcome. So I think. It's pretty fair to say that we would agree that that this team is kind of uh, still still kind of skating by on a, on a little bit of uh, luck and grace or something. But um, um, we have a bye week here, so you know, hopefully, Bebelo can like sit in a bath of warm Epsom salt or something like that, or or um, goat's milk or I don't know, whatever no, no, is no, it. No, no, he needs to go to the Lazarus pits. That's what he needs to do. Just could say, what's that? You guys don't watch um, DC Comics or anything like that? No. I got, I, got the, I got the reference. Yeah, Ra's al Ghul. He's got a, mm-hmm. a, a pit that mm-hmm. he like breathes in. To, he's immortal. Like he mm-hmm. rejuvenates every cell. So that's okay. what he needs. Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah man. You got you to gotta simple, simplify for us. <laughs> us uh, we're, we're just different kinds of nerds, man. So you got to translate, <laughs> translate between the nerddom. Corey knew what I was talking. Yeah, about. I was just like, well, Corey is that kind of nerd, man, and the rest of us are not. You're just, uh, you're just a bold nerd, then I guess. The, oh, the thing, oh, you had to do that. You had to do. You had to go with the baldy bigotry. You had to lower no one, yourself. No one's who's listening to this knows that I'm bald. <laughs> yeah, that's audio is a. It's a. Wait, hey, wait. You have to your imagination. Is it what? Ooh. What? No, never Who mind. shaved? What are we talking about? All right, here we go. Um, so what other <laughs> nerd things you want to talk about, guys? Uh, what's um, what's happening in the Star Wars maybe world? Bacta tanks? Would that be going on to the same thing? Yeah, that's... It's, it's, it's the Star Wars more? Yeah, yeah exactly. We'll put them in a Bacta tank and, uh, you know, see what happens. Although you can force heal. And so just find a Jedi. It's going to be fine. Yeah, or true. a gray Jedi. You well, do on. a gray Jedi. Let me, because... let, me, let me roll for force heal. I've got a... I've got a 2D plus three. Um, all right. <laughs> this, this podcast was stupid, guys. I'm going to tell you that much. <laughs> really we have we, a bye week this we week. Kinda, we kind of needed a dumb one. Here, here's the thing. We won uh, a, a stupid game, and it was the first time we brought karaoke back to the bar. And I will tell you, uh, that bar, it was back to, it was not, we weren't not at full capacity, but it was back to some of the classic just stupid post game wins, and uh, I, I did uh, I did some chumbawamba with um, with some friends, and uh, it 
it felt good to be back to uh, to celebrating Wonderwall wins and uh, and getting to hang out with my vaxxed friends. So thank you, everyone. And uh, the next time we have a home game, so we've got a game in two weeks uh, at Real Salt Lake, but the next time we have a home game isn't until June 23rd. It's a Wednesday against Matthew McConaughey. It's the uh, Pride game, and so there will be a drag. It'll full full. Uh, stadium except for i think the first three rows still have to be empty and uh and then then we'll have a drag show and hot damn but what what do we want to say um going forward or any other summary points to make i mean i just hope that the team takes the time off to still train do their thing i hope we can see nuko hansen getting healthy i hope we can see debasi come back whether or not they make it into the starting lineup who knows Let's see if some of our new signings are here or at least announced. Um, yeah, I just like, let's use it as a reset. We're, we're kind of off the bottom of the Western Conference and, um, you know, being propped up by Cincinnati and Chicago in the Supporters Shield, which I'll always take Calvo. Hey, we're ahead of LAFC, man. So it's all yeah, the matters. I'll take it. I'll take it every day. LAFC yeah, no, and and the good thing too is that uh, it sounds like we are not going to be missing Robin Lude, Jan Gregus, and Yuka Raitala uh, in Real Salt Lake. So, because they are not originally, I, it was assumed that they would join their national teams for Euros because they have uh, pre Euros friendlies coming up on like uh, end of May, early like first day of June. But apparently, they are sticking around with the club and going to meet with their national teams later than everybody else, all the European mm. base players. And so we'll actually have all of them for, uh, against I smell drama. So I we'll smell be, drama. We'll be full, been a full squad and we'll probably have some who knew and we'll see what happens. Get some Frank, Frank pain. Um, I just want us to be healthy, to be honest with you, just to have our death back in a sense. And then I think that yeah. way it gives us more options to be, more um more more uh, just more concrete and then just move move the ball forward more i mean i think we've all we've all we've all agreed that that's belongs on the field right and we've seen that now that you know last year uh heath you know would rarely take out uh gregush and literally the last two three games he's you know one of the first subs to come out in a sense right so the real question, though, um, and and again, I'm I'm now extending the pod, though, is, is that Dotson is the first to go, right? If Frank Payne is a starter, if Unu is a starter, if Reynoso is a starter, if Robin Lude is a starter, are you going to put Dotson in central midfield next to Will Trap or something? Um, maybe you you yeah. should, because um, he's uh, effective on the field. Maybe he's a, a thirty minute player um, coming in for Frank Payne or something like that, but. But he's he's been one of the most consistent players because he can even when we should have made substitutes. I'm thinking, all right, bring someone else in, maybe for for Hassani. He's still running in the 88th minute and making tackles and and turning over the ball. And uh, you know we don't have many players like that who for 90 plus minutes is just running his heart out and and being effective, right? Not just not just like right. blindly running, and so. I mean, his 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 map is all over the place, right? And he's had some really good defensive stops in in our defensive third. I think, I think that's that has value, and he likes to push the ball forward. 
but we all know that you know we all agree that you know his left is not the most uh, confident side because there isn't a you know Reynoso is not confident playing with him or anyone really on the left at this moment if it was a Bolino and so like it's 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 really absolutely like do you have the depth that you can you can rotate it more and just make it more heavily based on what he can bring to you so no and i'm actually like with euros coming up i'm excited to see what dotson can do because we've always said like dotson is a number eight we he's not a six he's not a right fullback he's not a he's not a left winger like he needs to be a number eight and play him as number eight and we have only really seen him play as a number eight for like maybe like 25 minutes when he came on for uh gray goose like uh Two matches ago, this this season he he played this in that season. position last year a couple yeah. times. Yeah, and and he, not, and he does but that not for consistently. The like he's yeah. and he's always like the utility guy. He's never been a focused guy, which I would love to give him the opportunity where he could be the focused guy. Where like for you know, basically for two weeks in June, for when we have like four matches, he's our guy starting as a number eight and see what he can do for like eighty plus minutes a match, taking on that responsibility. Well, and the thing that, you know, we talk about Greg Ush's chemistry with Reynoso, you're seeing some chemistry, like real chemistry between Reynoso and Dotson starting to materialize. Um, there was a stat recently, I came, Hassani posted on Instagram where there was like an MLS stat. I can't remember if it was like a stats under, under a certain age, but he was in like the top five who covered the most distance in MLS under a certain age. Um, but yeah, he needs to be on the field. All right, let's call it a day. Um, apparently, in the text, we're being uh, uh, lectured by Rodrigo's wife Nubia for not knowing the Lazarus pits. I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not judging you for not knowing my nerdy things. But uh, you know, <laughs> you guys, you guys, uh... judging me for not knowing DC comic stuff. Batman is a capitalist and uh and I don't approve of him. So let's uh let's take a break or let's go home. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> I was like god. Come, we'll come back and we oh, got Oh god, we're doing some more. No, we're we're doing some more. All right everyone, thank you everyone and we will talk to you soon. Uh we'll figure out what next week's podcast is going to be about. It's about DC Comics. So take care. Bye. <laughs>